Just by understanding how the mind and the body work and being trauma-informed in our approach to our clients, we're not only able to help our clients prepare for that paradigm shift, we're able to support them without inadvertently causing more harm, which is in turn reducing ACEs score for their future generations. It, it really takes a little bit of education and self-reflection. Even if our clients know nothing, this benefits us in the way that we support. This is Pros Talk Pregnancy, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm talking with visionaries and game changers who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, lover of the mountains, seeker of knowledge, exercise physiologist, birth doula, and childbirth educator. Basically, I'm an all-around pregnancy and birth nerd. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better and empowering professionals and families alike. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, my amazing podcast family. I am so honored to be here with you and to share this powerful episode with you. If you are a human being, this is an episode for you because we are talking about something that all humans experience to some degree, and that is stress. And not just stress, but trauma, ancestral trauma, traumatic childhood experiences, not only our own, but that of our ancestors, how we can pass these things down for generations. So Ashley of Bodhi Birth and Wellness comes on and nerds out with me about these issues, how our lived experience and that of our ancestors can impact our minds and our bodies and what to do about it. You know, stress is something that we all experience and our nervous system in the response to a stressful situation or a dangerous experience needs to be able to react, respond in the form of fighting or fleeing or fawning, right? And what happens so often is that we are living in a state of perpetual stress. We are constantly and continuously feeling as if we are running from an imaginary tiger. So what happens is this impacts not only our mind, but our body. And for those who are pregnant, it can impact that experience of the fetus as well. So we're looking at studies such as the Dutch hunger study, and it's looking at babies who were their person who was carrying them was facing hunger and stress. And then they followed those babies for many years as they grew and saw how that impacted them. And so now you're thinking, well, shoot, I'm not perfect. I have stress. I have trauma. I have all of these things. I react. Now I'm stressed about being stressed. And so the goal is not for you to be stressed about being stressed. We all have stress. We all deal with different things on a daily basis. And the first step is awareness. And the first step is knowing that we can be in control. We can choose differently. We can break that generational trauma. We can start that momentum forward into a new experience. We can learn how to no longer be on autopilot, but to be fully in control of our responses. I share my own experience with extremes amount of stress and how that impacted my own body. 
And we talk about different strategies to help us to tune in and to start taking charge of our nervous system, taking control of our genes. We're talking about something called epigenetics and how you really can drive your own bus. So I look forward to sharing this episode with you. Please reach out, tag us on social media, and let us know what you thought of this episode. Ashley Macon is a pre- and perinatal educator specializing in birth psychology and a trauma-informed, donor-trained doula. She's the founder of Bodhi Birth and Wellness, serving upstate of South Carolina, and the creator of the Mind Body Birth a birth psychology-based educational program. Welcome, Ashley. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to join you. Yeah, so I like to just start because, you know, we have a lot of um, birth pros listening, and I think a lot of people are just like to hear why you chose to go the way you did or kind of your tale, like what brought you to do the work that you do today? Yeah, so um, I guess my story began in my early 20s, which is crazy because I would have never expected it back then. But um, I experienced a traumatic miscarriage at 19 weeks. And the traumatic aspect of that experience wasn't really acknowledged by my providers. Mm -hmm. So it, it took years to seek therapy. And I discovered some pretty amazing self-care tools like meditation, mindfulness through that process. Although I was really only using those tools reactively when I was struggling. Um, so in my late twenties, my husband and I conceived our daughter and that was nearly a decade later. And I went into this type A driven trauma response that I was completely unaware of. And I planned my birth down to the detail. Um, I took a comprehensive childbirth education class. We did all the homework. All the we things. worked. Yeah, we did. We did everything. And I ended up walking away from my daughter's birth transformed. We moved through labor it, it did some deep work in me mm. and it, it brought some serious healing. So, uh, postpartum ended up being a little more traumatic. I was mm. only really prepared for the physical healing aspect mm. and I had little to no awareness on the preparation otherwise. So we had nursing issues and tummy issues, and it really took about six months to figure everything out. And my anxiety had just skyrocketed. So, um, so that paradigm shift of early parenthood was massive for me. And I ultimately ended up reaching for those meditation mindfulness tools I had learned in therapy and created an actual practice for the first time, uh, mainly out of, you know, self-preservation. <clears throat> and, um, and that was life-changing for me. It completely blew my mind at how much of a difference it made to the point to where, you know, I still get up at 5 a.m. every day to get my day started because I know how much of a difference it makes in my day-to-day -day life. Um, so I walked out of that entire experience just shocked that the psychological processes of birth and postpartum were never really discussed much prenatally. And at that point, I needed to understand the why behind these processes. And I wanted to learn more about how trauma worked. And I just couldn't stop reading. So anything I could find on these subjects and maybe two years into this hyper-focused exploration, my husband stopped me one day and he was like, honey, look at your bookshelf. You need to do something <laughs> with this. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so um, that's when I attended my donor training. I dove headfirst into doula work. And I found that in my prenatals, I was diving really heavy into prenatal education and it was really benefiting my clients. So I thought, you know, let's look into childbirth education trainings. 
but I couldn't find a single training, a doula or childbirth education related that really dug deep into the psychology surrounding the birth and postpartum experiences. Mm -hmm. So um, I just kind of like let it go for a while. And then one day the PPE program through APA, which is the Association for Pre and Perinatal Psychology and Health just appeared out of nowhere. And it was a really intense program, but it was exactly what I was looking for. So I basically read every single page of literature that there, that was offered on the subject of birth psychology. And I paired that program with a meditation and mindfulness teacher training, which really helped me with my own personal development as I moved through these materials. And, um, and I'm telling you, uh, this subject, it just blew my mind. It was not what I expected. It was so much deeper than I expected. And it really changed everything for me. It changed the way I perceived myself, the way I interact with others, the way I teach my clients and the way I parent my daughter. It really, it was a force <laughs> mm, I love it. Uh, and, um, and it really changed the way that I work in the birth space as well. So I'm really passionate about it. <laughs> I love that. I recently did a meditation challenge. It was like a 30 day meditation challenge because it's busy Four kids running this company. Like it's Mm -hmm. a lot and, um, gearing up for a really busy season. And I just, I don't know. I found it advertised on Facebook and I was like, yes, I'm doing this. And it is so helpful. It's so profound to just turn off, not turn off. That's not the right way of saying it to just tune in. Yes. And to not, we're, we're so focused on external, you know, and we're so focused on, we don't realize that our perception of our world is what makes our world, yes. right? Like yes. if you think birth psychology, I'm thinking like, if I, I, when I was teaching childbirth ed a lot, I would always use the example of me running. Like when I'm, and I joke, like I'm not a runner and I'm really, <laughs> I'm still really not a runner, but I would say like, okay, I'm going to go out. I say, I'm going to go out on a five mile run, or I'm going to row run a marathon or whatever, you know, birth can be either as we know. And, um, you know, you're running. And if in the first mile, if I'm thinking like, this sucks, I can't do this. I can't breathe. My legs hurt. This sucks. I can't do, you know, like Mm -hmm. if that's what I'm with, that's my perception of birth. And granted our perception of birth in our society is, is scary. Mm -hmm. Um, how far do you think I'm going to get? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what all of this has everything to do with it. it, It's great because it really encourages people to, to look inward and understand Mm. that connection or the lack of disconnect really, because we have this mindset in Western culture that the mind and body is separate and it's absolutely untrue. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's it's cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, the mind and body thing is huge because, you know, I Mm -hmm. come at it more, you know, you maybe like you start on the mind and go to the, maybe go to the body and I start in the body and go like, okay, I can't, Mm -hmm. we kind of come at it from both angles. And I think Mm -hmm. it's really powerful for people to do both. You know, like I, you know, I talk all, all the time about like the psoas muscle, it's literally our musculoskeletal connection into our central nervous system. Mm -hmm. So if your body is in like fight or flight, you want to, you know, you're scared or you're overwhelmed, your body's going to react. It needs our ancestors needed to be able to flee or fight. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's nuts how, you know, when people say like, you can't just hold this, holding the space and just like making someone feel safe in their birth, like cool, whatever. no, not cool, yes. whatever exactly outcomes. <laughs> if somebody feels safe in their birth, it will make their birth easier. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. And so, it, yeah, yeah, keep going. 
Yeah, it um, it absolutely uh, it, just that awareness brings the power to choose, right? If we yes. are unaware, we have no choice, right? And that. um, and it really does make all the difference in our birthing experiences. I wish, like, I finally found the information I wish I had walking mm. into my own birth experience, and it's been fascinating helping others move through that and and find that awareness because it's it's power, and uh, and we all have this power. We don't we don't have to be empowered. We already have it. We just need to find it and be aware of it. I love that. So, what are some? Say I'm a doula, and I want to give my client some tangible ways of working on this during pregnancy, or let's say I'm a, I'm a pregnant person and I want to know like, okay, like, what does that mean for me? Like, what should I do? Should I just meditate or is there anything specific? Well, it starts a little bit with education, right? If we Mm. don't understand how the mind and the body work, (laughs) then meditation seems kind of weird, right? A lot of people are just not into meditation. It seems scary, you know, quiet the mind. What? Um, I can't not think. And that is absolutely not what meditation is. Like you said, it's tuning in. Mm. So understanding uh, the nervous system and how it works really does empower us to bring a little bit more awareness to what's going on with our body and our mind on a regular basis. And that can create a practice. So um, I could start by explaining a little bit about what birth psychology is. And... I love that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, birth psychology is a multidisciplinary field of study that explores early human development from conception through the first few years postpartum. And it pulls from epigenetics, neuroscience, attachment, and affect regulation. And, um, I like to really start my explanation of birth psychology off by talking about the ACEs study or the adverse childhood experiences study, which is one of the largest studies of its kind. And it's made a huge impact on how we view human development as a whole. It's a fascinating study. It, um, it's gone. (laughs) I want to hear about it. I like, it, it sounds like it, like there's a lot of things like I I'm obsessed with epigenetics and neuros, like all of that sounds amazing. So like break it down and like, uh, (laughs) explain it to me as if I'm like a 12 year old. Okay. (laughs) And like, I don't know what the heck any of that means. So the ACEs study began with Dr. Vincent Filetti and his obesity clinic in San Diego, California. And it was one of the largest clinics in the world. It served more than 50,000 participants every year. And um, Filetti worked with patients who were between 100 and 600 pounds overweight, and he could not understand why for the last five years, 50% of his clients had been dropping out of the program each year, despite seeing progress. So he decided Mm. to do this follow-up with his dropouts through an in-person questionnaire. And he ended up making, um, um, he misspoke one day with with one of his questions. And that ultimately is what led to the ACEs study. Because what he found was a correlation between patients who had dropped out of the program and childhood trauma. And he found that trauma was an underlying aspect in why these patients weren't able to follow through with progress. And it was self-protective, right? So, um, he was really excited about this correlation, but he wanted to be sure there were no unconscious bias in his questioning. So he asked five of his colleagues to interview the next 100 participants and they found the exact same results out of 286 participants. Almost all of them had experienced a significant amount of childhood trauma. Uh, so he decided to present these findings to his colleagues at the North American association for the study of obesity. 
And he was basically called naive and told he didn't know what he was talking about. It was really embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) So at dinner that evening, a colleague um, sought him out, a colleague that worked for the CDC, and he suggested a larger study with thousands of people might be taken a little more seriously. And, um, and so he decided to work with Robert Anda and a team at the CDC where they spent about a year researching childhood trauma before they ever began the study. And this study evolved into a 20 year study with over 17,000 participants. It was massive. Um, So that research they did in the first year uh, allowed them to come up with these 10 adverse childhood experiences so that they could measure their study. And um, those consisted of three types of abuse, verbal, physical, and sexual, two types of emotional neglect, emotional and physical and uh, five types of family dysfunction, a mentally ill parent, an alcoholic parent, a mother who is domestic violence victim, incarcerated family members, or a loss of a parent through abandonment or divorce. And what they found were that adverse childhood experiences were extremely common, regardless of race or class, and they didn't happen in isolation. So 67% had one ACE, more than 20% had three or more ACEs, and 11% had five or more ACEs. And what's more, these ACEs were linked to increased risk of chronic illness and adult social problems, which gave us a lot of insight into uh, negative coping mechanisms, right? Like addiction, violence, um, and other negative adult behavioral patterns. And and this all comes back to subconscious self-protection and nervous system dysregulation, right? So when we experience stress, we're experiencing a neurological response, fight, flight, or freeze, right? These are responses are primal. They're normal in a stress state. Um, but the problem is, is that when we experience trauma, our bodies internalize this information through what we call implicit memory, which sets up a behavioral coping per- or, or a protective response, right? So our bodies are triggered often subconsciously by these implicit memories, which causes a default reactive response with the intention of self-protection. And this leads to generational embodiment of historical trauma or epigenetic follow through. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, And if you think about that in regards to, um, you know, racism in healthcare, if you think mm -hmm. about, you know, yes, we definitely have racism with, you know, medical staff and things like that, but also think of the trauma Mm -hmm. that a lot of different cultures have gone through and how that is stored in the body. It's not Mm -hmm. any, it's not their fault. I think sometimes we're like, Oh, what's wrong with me that I'm getting, you know, these, these physical outcomes based on something going on, you know, emotionally, mentally, sometimes so deep, you can't even that you're not even aware of it. Yeah. If it's historical, it's not like you're saying like, you know, like, Oh, I, 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 you, you don't always know why you are the way you are. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, it was really interesting because I, um, my grand, my grandfather, 90 years old, recently passed away and he wrote his life story really, really, really detailed. Um, you know, poor, poor, poor farmer, um, child. And it was so fascinating to see how he was and how I knew him to be and the results from, you know, living through the great depression in the thirties and forties and Mm -hmm. world war two. And just, it was fascinating. Like we carry, we carry our life with us. I'm so fascinated by that too. My, my grandfather was a farmer, multi-generational farmers Mm. here and just hearing the, um, uh, 
how they moved through the industrialization of farming. I mean, that's a whole nother story I could yeah. dive down. <laughs> Just um, thinking about like how we carry our childhoods and our lives with us. Yes. Into adulthood. It's just yes. fascinating. Very much so. And what's so cool about it is that this awareness allows us to choose how to respond when we're triggered. Mm, so right. understanding not only our lived experiences, but our parents' lived experiences, mm. our grandparents' lived experiences, our bloodline, right? right? Understanding what has happened allows us a little more insight into these re- reactive responses. Like I have, we have behavioral patterns. We joke that, you know, my daughter is fourth generation high maintenance, right? (laughs) Because, because, you know, we can notice some of these same behaviors and not only my mother, but my grandmother, my great grandmother. And you're like, where does this come from? So that's the fun part is getting curious about where do these behaviors come from? Like what's, Mm. what's the root of this? And it's, um, that's, that's when, that's when growth happens when you start getting curious, right? Um, Right. What you said before of being (laughs) unaware versus being aware when we're aware and that's why I, I literally, my husband and I were up until midnight, um, reading my grandpa's story. You know, we only got to mm-hmm. high school, but uh, <laughs> he was very well written. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just that awareness it's just bad, you know, and not just, you know, your grandpa's story, but, um, becoming aware of why you're reacting versus living unconsciously just. I think a lot of us, we just move through our life with very little awareness of why we're, we are the way we are. Mm -hmm. We just, we're just kind of on autopilot. So I think the first step is getting out of autopilot and doing some inner work. A (laughs) hundred percent. And, and pregnancy and parenthood is a great opportunity. Yes. Yes. It's one of the only times that some people even think about these things. So it's such a great opportunity. Um, I mean, you have Michelle Odent talking in like 30 years ago about how the way to bring positive change and in the, I know, right. Uh, (laughs) you, I just came across a book by him, the farmer and the obstetrician. You've got to read it. It's awesome. Mm, I'll have to read it. Um, but he was talking, uh, he's, talking 30 years ago about how grassroots education is the only way to bring this positive change. And it's so true. If we can get people to realize how much power they really do have, then we won't be giving our power away to some system that, you know, we need, we don't really need to rely on. Yeah. Um, I but, think that, I think that um, yeah. it's really interesting. You know, it's very easy for us to, you know, go to the doctor we have an illness, take mm-hmm. a pill. And I'm, I'm yeah. not discrediting how, thank God we have, you know, me- modern medicine. Thank yes. God we have that. Yes. But I don't think that the modern industrial complex is talking enough about things like stress, nervous yes. system dysregulation. Sure. Yes. We have like, go, go get therapy. And thankfully like that is much more, you know, I think when I was growing up in the nineties, no one went to therapy. And now thankfully, I think it's like normal. My 15 year old yeah. would be like, Oh yeah, going to therapy. They're, they're, they're friends. Like, Oh yeah, going to therapy. You know, it's like, everyone goes to therapy, but how can we blend it? Oh, so it's yes. like, here's therapy. And then here's medicine. Yeah. But it's all related. Yes. And, and your body is not a mechanical structure, right? right <laughs> it's all right. related. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, Western medicine isn't necessarily bad. No. It's the fact that we've not, we, we've not been thinking critically about our bodies and about our experiences. So we want to walk into the doctor's office and say, okay, give me my magic pill, fix me. Right. Um, but 
you know, the doctors are human beings too. And all we have to do is pull a little bit of, uh, of that relationship into the conversation and it pulls them out of that checkbox mentality. And it brings critical thinking to the plate for everyone involved. And that's how, that's how we have a positive experience and right. we, we don't have, you know, contraindications and accidents, you know. Well, you know, I think just, I remember, you know, I, I've had, you know, of my four children, I've had different births and, yeah. you know, the first one I went, you know, very like typical, you know, you go into your appointment, you know, maybe you see your midwife doctor for 10, 15 minutes and yep. then you're out. And then the next three, um, you know, I was doing home birth, but I think this should be everyone doesn't matter where you're giving birth. Mm -hmm. You know, you get those full hour long appointments and they're not just checking your vitals. They're checking your stress levels. They're having a conversation about your emotional health. And yes, I think that's huge. And I, I think it gets lost a lot of times. And I think if we could bring it back in some way that it could, it will 100% improve outcomes. And, and it's absolutely true. I mean, what it comes down to is that we have a deficit and maternal care providers here in the U S mm. I mean, what is it? A 40% de deficit, I think. Um, it's absolutely, it's, uh, it's mind boggling. Cause we, everybody spread then, but we want to have the highest expectations, but we also need to bring in that personal responsibility as well. Right. That's um, true. So there has to be a balance between the two. And, um, and I think we're kind of moving in a direction to where we're fine. We're, we're beginning to find that balance, or at least I have hope we will. <laughs> Changes on the way. Yes, <laughs> we're all yes. part of the change, you know, <laughs> social media, podcasting, you know, there's, we're a lot more connected in that way to the whole world really. Yeah. And so, you know, there's negatives with that, but I think the positive is that this type of information is out there. It's yes. available. Someone's listening to this right now and hopefully they'll realize, oh, maybe I should, should work on this. Yeah. Yeah. So super cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I gave you a basic ex ex explanation of the ACEs study, but why I like the ACEs study is that it kind of uh, digs a little deeper into our birth psychology, not only supports this ACEs study, but it goes further by acknowledging that these processes begin much earlier. Uh, so prenatally, right? Mm, yes. And it's extremely important to the comprehension to human development to understand that because it, ex uh, it really explores how our personality traits are developed. Um, and it's really empowering information. It, it not only addresses any core struggles through self-reflection and awareness, but we can also learn about how to regulate our nervous systems and how to help our children self-regulate from childhood and grow emotionally intelligent rather than having to learn emotional intelligence as adults. Right. Um, and that is what affect regulation is. So, um, and, and I want to, I want to be very clear that trauma is not a bad thing. It's something that we all experience. It's an inevitable part of life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it should not be a taboo topic. And I find that even in the birth world, it tends to be something we want to kind of gloss over because you don't want to scare people and you don't want to, you know, over, um, overdo it either. You don't want them to be thinking about trauma too much, but, um, mm -hmm. what's important is how we respond to trauma. So right? The only way out is through is a common phrase we use when discussing birth. And it's really the same way with trauma. You have to kind of surrender to the process and uh, walk through it in curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Peter Levine, he's written a lot about trauma and memory. 
uh, he points to science that says that people who overcome and heal their traumas are actually much more resilient. So we're made to thrive in this. It just begins with awareness and understanding and sometimes clinical support. We have so many options, um, especially nowadays. There are so many avenues you could go through to find your healing. You just really have to feel it out and be curious about it. So, um, so along with that, with the trauma, the epigenetics, right? And epigenetics tells us that perception creates a hormonal response, which affects cell production and epigenetic responses moving forward. So, so that, really- so epigenetics, I love it because yeah. it, I'm, obs- I, I'm kind of obsessed with it because it's basically showing that we have control yes. over yes. stuff. Cause I yes. think that a lot of times we think, and, and I hear this all the time, like, uh, I'm, I'm going to have this because it's in my family history. Like it runs in my family. It runs yes. in my family. I hear everyone yes. say that. I hear doctors saying I'm that. And genetically I'm not... predispositioned, yeah. right? But you, those sure. genetics have to be turned on though. They have, yes, to, be they have to be turned on and they have to be triggered <laughs> by the environment and mm-hmm. your, your feelings, how you're, you're like, Yes. You're literally your emotions can impact your genes. Yes. That is mind blowing. And we have yes. control over that or we, we should, we <laughs> should, we, we should. Yeah. And awareness can bring us a deeper control over it. Um, I mean, you can get into some deep meditation methods that really allow us access to different parts of our brains that we never thought we had access to. Yeah. Right. And let me, let me say something quick about meditation because yeah. I know I, I remember, you know, there's a lot of different, um, cultures and beliefs that really get worried about the word meditation. Mm -hmm. And so I like for people to think of it also as it can be prayer. It doesn't have, like you can connect to whatever you want to connect to, Mm -hmm. because I think that can be scary for people. And they don't realize like, if you have any sort of religious, like belief that you want to bring in, That's amazing. That's going to help you to tap in even deeper in my opinion. Yes. And that's, that's a conversation I have with clients all the time. They're like, Ooh, what is this meditation stuff? And, um, and really, if you want to break it down to the base, you're self-connecting, right? So you're connecting with yourself and your body through, through breath work and breath work is kind of where it begins, but you can bring whatever, belief system you have into that. And it can be some beautiful ritualistic practice for you. You can create whatever you want out of it. And there's so many different types and methods. It's it's really fun to explore. Yeah. Yeah. I just like to throw that out there. Cause I, you know, I, and I used to teach a hypnosis for childbirth and people get worried about that too. Like, "Ah, I don't Mm want to like invite anything in negative and, and it it doesn't, it's really, um, it's really safe and it's really research-based. I've read a lot of I had to read a lot of books on the neuroscience and all of that yes. behind. I never do something until I've researched the crap out of it. I'm, I'm sure the same, the same way it sounds the like same way. Yeah, with your books. Yeah. So, so like I can assure people like, it's amazing. If you don't want to call yeah. it meditation, call it nervous like, system regulation. Yeah. Pr- Regulating yeah. your nervous system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're- exactly. <laughs> So anyway, let's continue with epigenetics. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's like a deep memory system, right? And when we're in a state of growth, we're triggering hormonal responses like oxytocin and dopamine, the happy birth responses, right? (laughs) And, And then when we're in a stress state, we're triggering hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and all of these hormones lead to that self-protective response, like fight, flight, or freeze. Right. And when we're experiencing trauma, our bodies remember the stress response and that whatever helped us 
through the trauma, right? And it holds on to these responses because it's protecting itself from that happening again. This episode is brought to you by the Body Ready Method, our game-changing, interactive, fully online course for perinatal and birth professionals who want to elevate the way they serve their clients. We teach you how to help your clients prepare their body for a more functional pregnancy and a more efficient birth. And we teach you what to do when during birth through the lens of birth physiology and biomechanics. Gain the confidence and the new skills that you need to support your clients even better. You can now sign up for the next cohort of the training. Visit BodyReadyMethod.com to learn more. And when we live in a state of fight or flight, if we live in a constant stress response, we're living, um, if you've ever heard, if have you ever heard of somebody who's high strung or sensitive or even combative in their emotional state? Oh yeah. Those I mean, people, that's so many yeah. people. <laughs> I mean, I've always been considered the, the sensitive high strung one. Right. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, no, um, I, I totally get it. You know, um, for me, it was, um, really interesting to see how stress impacted my health because I'm pretty yes. healthy in other ways, mm-hmm. um, exercise, diet, all of those things. Um, yep. but 2020, you know, 2020 is 2020. And then my oh, dad, yeah. it was just a, my dad died. There was just a lot uh, going on that year. Yeah. And I honestly overexercised to, re- to respond to the stress when yeah. I should have been um, you know, doing some more meditative type things and taking care of my nervous system mm-hmm. and my body reacted. I had yes. like this full body rash. It was, I, I felt through that terrible. same thing. And you know, my <laughs> husband was having dreams that I was dying because I was just miserable. Yeah. And, you know, I held, I am a good faker on online. You know, I had to keep running the company and oh, yeah. all the things, but it was, you know, I'm thankfully I'm out of it now, but it was really helpful to, you know, when you say like, find the lemonade, I guess I learned a lot about just how important it is to manage this. Yes. And, and it's, and if it's not comfortable, that, that gives us a we can look at that in curiosity and say, why is this not comfortable? Right. Um, but like, there are days well, I mean, I'm not perfect. I am like you, I have been through some interesting stuff over the last few years yeah. <laughs> and, um, and my body tends to respond through like rashes and those kind of yeah, things, same. My even skin, when man. I'm meditating, but like <laughs> there are days when I do not want to meditate and that right. means I need to meditate. So I'll meditate for 10 minutes and I'll mm. just hate, hate the whole process. And then I get to the right. end of 10 minutes and I'm like, Whoa, that helped a little bit. Let's do it again. Right. <laughs> um, so you'll notice, you'll notice in your body when your body is regulated versus dysregulated, and you'll start to build that awareness with a, with a regular practice. That's why I like a practice. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. So- I, I mean, I feel like, um, I didn't even know what it felt like to be regulated. Cause it was like a, a straight year, maybe a feeling like yep. that. And prior to that, I wonder, because I think back to when my kids were little and I had, you know, mm-hmm. I had them pretty in quick succession. And so there was a lot of little kids at the same time, you know, some of them with medical stuff and, you know, I don't have to go through my whole spiel, but I, when I finally became regulated, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what this feels like. Yep. And you know what, what it was for me, how I, when I, and now I can sense it because I've been out of it. It, for me, it was, I always feel rushed. I always felt like, I always felt like, like, there's no reason for me to feel stressed to get my kids to soccer practice, but like, come on, let's get on. Like, I always just felt like I was rushing. 
we call like, it need, need to do itis in our family. We need yeah. to do it. We need, we need to do do, 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 do. Yeah. And you're <laughs> yes. like, wait, wait, there's we no stress. It's in an hour. <laughs> My husband, like, there's no, like, it's in an hour yep. and then I'll be like, Oh, now it's in. And I, you know, I hate being late to things. So maybe that's yep. just me, but I was like, no, I can just calmly drive to soccer practice. Like it's no big, yeah. like, but my brain, I was, you know, we, I was in that, that mode. And I think a lot of yep. new parents, it's a hard, it's a lot of work, like mm-hmm. new babies, not sleeping. Well, and we're not even educated properly. A lot of childbirth education does not even educate properly on the transition into parenthood. Right. We talk about focus on the marriage or the wedding and the birth. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then it's over with. And then you're like, you're walking home and you're like, this is not a stack of potatoes. This is like a a human being. And what do I do? (laughs) And um, now I'm in the trenches. Oh God. Um, And, you know, that's why I'm really passionate about this because this exploration of early human development not only helps us understand ourselves better. It helps us understand that our babies are born smarter than they will ever be. Mm. And we just have to learn their language. And it's really just more of that movement into curiosity. And, um, and it, it brings more respect into the equation as well. So, um, our bodies were really not meant to live in those prolonged states of stress. Right. But what happens is when you've been in a prolonged state of stress, that becomes the, um, the norm for you, right? It's, right. uh, uh, normalcy bias, right? And our bodies actually pull energy from our immune system and from our extremities when we're in this prolonged state of stress too. So it's really not good for us physically at all. And, um, and we found that these stress response behaviors when exhibited over a long period of time, create dysregulated nervous systems, and they change the way that we operate on a cellular level. And that's when you run into like epigenetics and genetic, genetic uh, disposition going wrong. Right. Mm, Um, and this, this also affects our fetus's development in the womb. And um, a really, really great example of this is the Dutch hunger winter. And this happened during World War II. A German blockade created a food scarcity problem for the Dutch between winter of 1944 and spring of 95 or 45. And um, the average Dutch person during that time frame only had access to about 30% of the daily caloric needs. Mm-hmm. And over 20,000 people died. It was really horrible. Um, And ultimately, we learned that the outcomes affected the Dutch population for generations to come. Hmm. So um, mothers who were fed during the first trimester, who were well-fed during first trimester, but malnourished during the second and third trimesters had small babies who stayed small their entire lives. Audrey Hepburn was one of those babies. She was a tiny. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's very interesting. Interesting. So mothers who had been malnourished in the first trimester, but were well-fed during the second and third trimesters had normal sized babies, but these babies were predisposed to obesity and mental health problems as adults. And these predispositions persisted for generations. So that was kind of the beginning. That was the birth of epigenetics right there. Right. Um, But were they thinking it was because they weren't eating enough or was it because they were so stressed that they weren't getting food? It was a mixture of both, right? Between the stress and trauma involved and the lack of nourishment, those babies were not able to um, develop in the way, Mm -hmm. in in the healthiest way, right? Right, right. Um, So like with gardening, right? (laughs) If we don't treat our seeds properly, then they don't develop properly. We don't get as much fruit from them. 
And then we get into attachment research, which tells us that our physical states are directly related to the environment we experience in the womb. And that affects things like emotional intelligence, emotional resilience, immunity, blood pressure, cardiovascular health, susceptibility to cancer and like eating patterns, basically everything. Mm. And you know, it's extremely important in sense of time. And most of us have no idea that there, that, that it's important and sensitive or that there's so much that we can do. Um, and we can start with things like prenatal bonding. There has been so much really cool research on prenatal bonding and, um, and that affects things like intelligence scores, language skills, physical development, uh, emotional dimension, fine motor skills, all of these things within the first few years of life. So we can actually begin this relationship and this experience before we have our babies, even if it feels weird. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, um, it, it, it's like hearing this, you know, there's going to be someone that's like, Oh, like crap. I am so stressed out. I'm having all these issues and I'm pregnant and now my baby's going to be screwed. Uh, you know, you get that. And then it's like, yes. But what do you say to that? Like, so I'm actually like, oh. the perfect, I can, I can, I, I can speak from my own experience that you, you are not ruining your child. I did not come across this research until I was two, three years, well, three years postpartum. Right. And if, right. and if that was true, then I would be absolutely devastated and probably crawling right. under a rock right now because right. I would have already ruined my child, but this information, and not only gave me awareness about myself, but it has given me a deeper awareness into parenting. It has changed the way that I parent my child. Um, and the, uh, the amount of, uh, connection that I have with her, it has changed everything for me. So this is stuff that I could teach to somebody who's not planning on having children at all. This is stuff that could yeah, affect somebody totally. who has a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and it could affect their parenting and how they are acknowledged. So your attachment style, when you learn about how you formed your own attachment style, right? You can also learn about how that affects your parenting styles and, um, and to find regulation in that experience. So it really just allows you to dig a little deeper in the entire process, learn more about yourself, learn more about your child, and not only set your child up for a better, ex uh, for a better life and a better, uh, experience, but also like, yourself as well. So this is really a healing process for not only you, but for your children and generations moving forward. Yeah. You can break the generational trauma. Yes. Yes. You can be the one, you know, and, and think about, you know, cause this is just so on my forefront. It's so perfect that we're talking today because <laughs> looking at, just reading about my lineage, it is there, you know, not like I have any, not like there's like big skeletons or anything, but it's just, yeah you know, people like they were so poor and like, mm -hmm. didn't even know in the great depression, how to find gas to get where they needed to go. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. there's, there's stuff. And yeah, you know, we all have it too. If we you all have human, stuff and you have generational right. trauma, <laughs> you have some stuff like, you know, yes. whether it's, you know, I'm white. So there's probably there's racism in my history because yeah, there is like, you know, and I don't mm -hmm. have to carry that forward though, you know, transphobia or whatever it is. Like, I don't have to carry things forward. Exactly. And, you know, you also don't have to think poorly on your ancestors because they were maybe just doing the best they could with their own dysregulated nervous system or their own, you know, they just weren't able to break the trauma in the way that maybe you can. So, yeah. um, the other thing I think of is, um, you know, we always, 
especially moms, like we're so like, we want to give, give, give. Mm -hmm. And so I find that people aren't really good at taking care of themselves, especially moms. And, Mm -hmm. um, but then when you get pregnant, it's like, that was the only time I ever would pay for a massage. Cause I was like, yeah, well, it's for the baby. Well, it's yes. for the baby. You're like, and so you're like, if the only reason you take care of your, you know, emo- emotional health and your trauma is because you're pregnant, and you want the best for your baby. Hey, that's okay. That's a great time to start. It's a great time to start. Exactly. And it's, it's not anyone's fault. I mean, this is the way our culture runs. We're in a right. go, go, go culture, right? Uh, most of us don't have a lot of, um, um emotional intelligence and, um, right. or, and, um, understanding of self-care and like true self-care, not waiting until you're burnt out and go have a glass of wine in the tub glass right. of wine in the tub is great, but like, what are you doing, um, proactively to help yourself grow and feel better on a daily basis, whether that be exercise or meditation or eating habits, you know, what that personal development is so important. And a lot of the time we don't even think about that for me, I was not even using meditation, for example, in a proactive way until I had no other choice. I waited, (laughs) I waited until I was desperate to create a practice. And then I was like, Whoa, this is powerful. I think we um, all find it. We all find it when we have a big pain point. Like yeah. for me, you know, with my physical health was like, Hey, like eventually your body is gonna raise a red flag somehow. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, and that's the thing we can be proactive or we can be reactive. So we can wait right. until our body freaks out on us right. <laughs> or which most can, of us do. Let's be real. Yeah, but. We, we all do it. I mean, I'm even, even now I still do it. We all do it. Oh yeah. It's part of humanity. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And, um, and this really does apply well to birth work because, you know, moving through birth, we're in that deeply primal state of being, and we need to account for that in preparation, because if we're unaware of how we respond to unexpected change and have no tools to self-regulate when we feel out of control, then, then we'll panic. And our preparation goes straight out the window. That happened to me with birth. Um, I took a hypno babies class and it was great, but I was so dysregulated that I panicked when I started having back labor. And I yeah. know what to do with it. Yeah. And, and that happens very often. So just by understanding how the mind and the body work and being trauma informed in our approach to our clients, we're not only able to help our clients prepare for that paradigm shift, we're able to support them without inadvertently causing more harm, which is in turn, reducing ACEs score for their future yes. generations. It, it really takes a little bit of education and self-reflection. Even if our clients know nothing, this benefits us in the way that we support. I love um, that. I love that so much. And you know what? Um, I have found that I am a better doula when I am regulated myself. And I think a lot of doulas, a lot of midwives, because I work with a lot of their bodies, um, you know, and I, or I did a lot for a long time, one-on-one and they're so as (laughs) birth workers have some so as stuff. And the so as is your nervous system and they are in fight or flight all the time and they're not sleeping and they're stressed out. Um, especially the medical providers, the midwives, Mm -hmm. um, because they're in charge of the safety. And I find that I can be, and tell me if you, you feel the same. I feel much Mm -hmm. more intuitive when I, at the birth, I know what to do better when Mm -hmm. I have been taking care of my own nervous system, because I find that when we go into that birth room, we are like syncing up with our client's nervous system. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's, it's like, 
if you're a good birth worker, you know how to just like go there with someone so much that I joke, I can be at a daytime birth, like a nine to five type birth, like no overnight, like no loss of sleep, Mm -hmm. no, nothing out of the ordinary, like a straightforward, beautiful birth. And I'm still totally zapped for a couple of days afterwards. Cause I had yes. to, you know, really, really go there with someone. Well, we're also like sinking in with their hormones as well. Right. So this is a chemistry yeah. thing. It's not just like the intuitive aspect I think is so chemical. And that's something we need to start focusing more on because people hear intuition and they're like, woo, 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 woo. but it's oh, so yeah. true. It's like, <laughs> it is, no, I'll show you some scientific studies. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And it is, it really is so important for us. And that's what I love about just the base understanding of birth psychology really enables us as birth workers to go deeper in our own personal work and be more equipped to support our clients in any situation. Uh, what I say all the time, I just scream from the rooftops. I'm like, if we're going to do this work, we need to do our work or we're doing a disservice to everyone around us. Yes. Hands in the air emoji. (laughs) (laughs) So true. You know, and I, you know, taking care of your, yourself allows you to be, to have this be a sustainable job because birth work is hard. Mm -hmm. I think people think, oh, I'm just going to like see the miracle of birth, baby's born. Like, and and that's really cool. Like, I'm not going to say it's not a really cool job but it's not easy (laughs) all the time. We have to create sustainability. And a lot of people who are working in the birth world, they do not, and they do not teach sustainability. Uh, I mean, if you're taking way too many clients and you have people learning from you, then what are you teaching them? (laughs) You know, um, we are not supposed to be living in a state of burnout as birth workers. Right. Thank you. Yes. and we need to find a way to do it sustainably. We need more birth workers and we need everyone. I mean, there's plenty of people to go around, right? There's plenty of pregnant people that need help and support and education. So really what we need to focus on is encouraging each other and sustainability and coming together um, to, to help everyone. Because if we do that, we can really get a lot more done. I love that. And I think, um, just, I want to hear, you know, I, I just a, a segue, but it popped into my head. Yeah. So when you're, because you're a doula, trauma-informed mm-hmm. doula. So I'd love to hear if you have any strategies, let's say I'm at a birth. Cause you know, we don't always get like the prenatal education or my client maybe doesn't care or doesn't want to, or yeah. they're just whatever, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they're very dysregulated. They're at birth and they're freaking out. Yeah. Like, what, what do you do? I mean, I, I know it depends on the person, but what are your go-to strategies? Cause I think when people just hear a couple ideas, they can put it in their back pocket, you know? Yeah. So uh, more than anything, just reassuring them that what they're experiencing is normal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is normal. This is okay. <laughs> um, or, you know, this might not be okay. That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it could but not be okay. But you are okay. Right. Um, and um, really coming back to the breath more than anything. I have had mm-hmm. many, many clients. I am a type A prepper kind of mama. And, um, and those are the clients that I tend to attract. I attract the clients that overthink and um, so do I. Sp- <laughs> spiral in anxiety. Right. <laughs> and, um, but you know, those clients, oh, those births are so transformative because right. they're, they're having to really lean into that surrender and, and understand that control is just does not exist during those experiences. So really more than anything, when I walk into a birth room, I feel the energy in that room and mm-hmm. I make sure that I am not cha- moving or changing that energy. Right. And I'm meeting that, that 
the, that family where they're at and uh, reassuring them and encouraging them. And really we're coming back to the breath. We're coming back to breath work because we start with one contraction at a time. You end with one breath at a time. If you can, if you can learn to focus on your breath um, and just follow the flow of the process and understand that, you know, most of the time, this is a natural physiologic process. Everything is okay. And if things are not okay, you can be honest and, um, and reassuring at the same time, you know? Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You don't want to be like, oh yeah, it's okay. When it's like, you don't know if it's okay. If you're a doula, don't say, oh, it's all okay. If you don't actually know that, because that I mean, that's just sometimes weird. it sucks and yeah, it's okay or sometimes like this sucks. Like know? I've had, I, I've had a client while they're like bubble of peace, but I've had a client, um, you know, as babies being resuscitated, asking me if their baby's okay. And I'm not a medical provider. So that's not my place to say. Mm-hmm. So it's, it can be tricky to know what yeah. to say. Uh, but I love how you say the breath, because I can tell you physiologically, our diaphragm muscle, our breathing muscle is mm-hmm. literally right next to our psoas, which yep. I've said is directly connected into our central nervous system. And so yep. finding that breath mm-hmm. is going to help you to regulate your nervous system. Yes. So even like, and think of that for anything. If you're, and, you can teach it to your kids. You can, if you're stressed out, you know, take a couple deep breaths into your oh, cage. Like, I have had my five-year-old walk up to me before and be like, mommy, do you need to take a deep breath and count to four? And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Like it sounds like, oh yeah, take a deep breath, whatever. No, really take it into your rib cage, feel your rib cage expand, yes. allow. And you know, I've, I love, I do that with clients too. You know, I, I have one, she wrote her story. It's online somewhere. So it was fun to see. It's always fun to hear it from their side. Yes. And she goes, oh, Lindsay's so like, chill and like whatever. And then I knew she meant business because she, she was starting to freak out. And she goes, I knew she meant business when she, when it was way out of the ordinary for her, like took my head in her hands and said, <laughs> name of client, like just breathe, like look into yep. my eyes and let's breathe together. Yep. Like we, she, she needed to just breathe with me. And she was like, I instantly I mean, it's always not, not always instant, but it was such a difference that she like, was like, it took her out of it. And she was like, oh, okay. And she just yes. like, she was like all the monies just for that, like five minutes. It was and all worth it. <laughs> all it takes is a jolt back into the present. Right. Right. Because right. when you're panicking, <laughs> it's um, you're spiraling. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that jolt back into the presence. I, I remember I had a moment of panic during my birth and my midwife grabbed me by the face like that. Yeah. <laughs> God, and she looked at me and she goes, Ashley, this is not happening to you. This is something you were doing. And oh, it was one that. of the most profound moments of my life. Uh, like it really, I think that was the moment for me. That's um, beautiful. And, and really the breath, like you said, how the, how the breath, uh, the psoas and the diaphragm, it's all connected. And that, I mean, we hold our traumas in our pelvis. So even coming, something as simple as coming back to the breath during a crazy moment might actually be all we need to prevent the trauma, you know, having that support, having that breath, having that presence. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really powerful stuff. Yeah. And you know, um, that when, when, shit hits the fan, your <laughs> medical providers need to focus on the medical stuff. Yes. And so that's why it is so important if to have someone there who understands how to get you out of it, you know, maybe it's your partner, maybe it's your mom or whatever, yeah. but 
doulas are experts or should be experts at this. So I cannot say enough how profoundly impactful, you know, this type of support is. And cause I think sometimes we think like, uh, like if we have like playing fields, like no one can see my hands. If I'm like, like the doulas down here and like the providers up here, you know, Mm -hmm. like higher up or in the hierarchy, like, like we're all just working together. Yeah. They do have a more important job, but like we all are working together to Yes. It's a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want, yep. I, I want everyone providers, doulas, like everyone to just see it's a team. I, I was we literally reading yeah. my grandpa's birth story. I'm sorry. I keep bringing it up. He just died a couple of days ago. And no, uh, fine. yeah. And, and it was, but it was fascinating because his, my great grandmother had a woman attend her birth on the farm. <laughs> like yes. this is not a new my, thing. My papa was long. born on the farm. Um, my, my papa was born on the farm and it just, it's just hearing the, the processes. That's what I love about the correlation between farming and birth is these are natural processes in life. And we have been pulled in Western culture so far away from these natural processes that fear and panic and trauma is surrounding them. And it's right. absolutely not how things were ever meant to be. Right. Um, and, and that's why I'm so passionate about this. That's why I'm so passionate about uh, trauma-informed support, because I think that everyone who is working with or around parents who are moving through this sensitive prenatal and perinatal periods, they should be familiar with birth psychology and the way our nervous systems work. And I mean, even on a base level, awareness of how you're, you know, how you're treating the person you're with, being present with the person you're with and meeting them where, where they're at. I love that. So tell us, like, where do we go from here? Do you have, like, I know, I know you have, cause we've talked about it. Like, tell me about your work and tell us how we can learn more about all of this. Okay. So I have launched a comprehensive childbirth and postpartum education program called the mind body birth. And we explore birth psychology, physiology, uh, basically everything, how to navigate the medical system, our postpartum experiences, um, culture even. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we like, we really kind of get a little curious with the exploration of different types of meditation, mindfulness, and breathing techniques, right? That way you can, uh, create your own toolkit of personalized self-care and, um, and self-regulatory techniques that work for you. And you can take those with you for, you know, early parenthood or for the rest of your life, however it works. Um, so it's not this one size fits all thing that only works for birth. And then your SOL and postpartum, this is, you're creating a toolkit. You're learning about how to create your own self-care rituals and, and how to really step into parenthood, feeling grounded and, um, and empowered instead of panicked. Yes. And (laughs) And, you know, I, I think that we need it. Like you said, we need it for that postpartum. We need those tools before we're in it yes. because the best 100%. time to learn how to regulate is not when you're in the trenches. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. your goddamn mind. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I've also created another program for parents of developing children. So if they've already oh, cool. been through childbirth, you don't need yeah. the childbirth education necessarily, yeah. but you might want the birth psychology so that you can understand, you know, not only how you work and your parents worked, but how your children work and what they inherited from your line. Right. And, um, and I've created a trauma informed workshop for birth workers as well, so that oh, we cool. can kind of yeah. dig a little deeper into understanding 
understanding this information and, and really how to be more aware and um, present with our clients. So I'm really passionate about it. I love it. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff. Uh, I love all this stuff. So <laughs> tell me where people can find you. Cause this was amazing. And I know people are going to want to know the next step. So like socials website, like where, where do you hang out? Online. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at the mind body birth, and you can find me online at the mind body birth.com. So www.themindbodybirth.com. Perfect. Um, yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much. This is so fun. I feel like we could go on and on and on. I could jam oh, yes, nervous system and all of this like <laughs> yes, for hours. Could. So we will have to do it again sometime. So thank you. And everyone go forth and learn this stuff. <laughs> wait, wait before we go, actually, yeah. I want to know, do you have like parting words of wisdom? Just like there's so much, but sometimes it's like, like I said, go forth and learn this stuff. That was a bad one. I was like, wait a second. She's going to have a better one. Well, let's see. Um, so Thomas Verney, who is the APA co-founder, he said, womb ecology becomes world ecology. And it's absolutely true. It all starts with birth. And if we can, if we can get that information out there and we can empower or help our clients find their power, then that's just the beginning, right? So good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pros Talk Pregnancy. We are passionate about making the childbearing years better. And as professionals, when we work together, that is when we see the greatest shifts. Is there a topic that you would like for us to dig into with an amazing birth pro that you know? Or do you have a question around pregnancy, birth, or recovery that no one has quite yet been able to answer? We want to bring you the topics that you want to know about. So please submit a question, topic, or guest suggestion for the chance for it to become our next podcast episode at www.bodyreadymethod.com slash podcast dash submit. See you next time.